0: Welcome back to the How Do I Get There podcast. I'm your host, Khani. Today we have Rahul Chaturvedi. It is a great episode, just straight up. I think that uh, Rahul, if you don't know who that is, uh, he is a filmmaker, he's a director, writer, uh, narrative filmmaker. He recently, I mean recently in quotations, did a film called Forbidden Tikka Masala, it's playing everywhere, one of the big, reasons we kind of came together now specifically uh, because I've been meaning to have him on the podcast was because his film Forbidden Tikka Masala is actually being released. Today, once this podcast is up, you should be able to go to it. You should be able to watch it. Uh, you go to the links in the description and go check it out. To be honest, uh, pause the episode, go watch it first, and then come back. Uh, you'll be able to see and you'll want to know a lot more about him. He's this fantastic filmmaker. He has this really strong voice. And and it's when, when once you see and once you witness a strong art, point of view from an artist it's always it's always uh one you should want to stick out for and watch out and watch all his films uh i don't really want to keep you guys on for too long we talk about a lot we talk about festivals we talk about uh, his journey we talk about a bunch uh, if you're a starting out filmmaker especially if you're south asian asian um i think that uh, a lot of people underestimate the cultural barriers that we kind of go through and so a big point that i wanted to discuss in this episode was how he kind of went through it how um and how he recommends maybe other people uh maybe take a page out of what he tried and um, it might help you guys i don't know this intro has gone on for too long hope you guys enjoyed the show Welcome back. Hey, Rahul, how's it going?
1: It's going great. Uh, how have you been, Kizer?
0: I have been okay. Uh, every one, every time I do one of these episodes, uh, it's always like the same kind of starting, and I'm like, "How have I been doing?" Like, you know, uh, dates and days have been still been like kind of mushed um it was friday the other day and i'm like wait it's friday wasn't it just tuesday so everything has been like uh kind of a mystery to me uh, it, it, it creates a lot of like uh just playing games and not doing enough work <laughs> but <laughs> that's my problem what about you what have you been kind of up to
1: um so this past summer i I've been writing a lot, uh, and initially, as like you know, this is a, a crazy time, I am now getting to go out. Then I realized that is my normal life, I don't go mm-hmm. out that much anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it was a good time to write. I uh, am close to finishing my second feature script, so at least it gave me a good reason to focus. Uh, but then, you know, when you're in the middle of a, a pandemic, uh, you try to be productive, but there are weeks on end that you can't get a single word written, and then you remind yourself, no, you you still have to, uh, you know, finish things. Up. I was part of the bipoc kids TV writing boot camp where I learned how to write for kids and I was developing a really fun little you know uh, sh- show that teaches uh, computer programming to kids and it was fun to write that because I had never written in that genre before uh, and just a, a shout out to the Toronto BIPOC TV and film Community. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that that's been my summer so far and now i'm looking forward to the release of my short film that's been on the festival circuit so that goes out this week
0: yeah. It's, it's really interesting talking to like people that aren't in like creative fields because they're always like, well, why don't you just write? And then you always have to be like, well, writing is such an emotional process that like sometimes when, when something like takes a toll, you just, you feel burnt out and you just can't do anything. And, uh, I know me and a couple of my friends, we've been like doing a project and then all of a sudden now it's been like, we're doing a couple of grants and then now we just felt burnt out. We were just been like, doing nothing but like playing Warzone for like the last two weeks. (laughs) Um, and I'm like, and we just had like a long chat. We're like, okay, now we gotta, we gotta, uh, get back into the, into the role of things and, uh, figure things out. Yeah, no, but, uh, but it's exciting. I think that there's a lot of opportunity, um, in, 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 in an environment where you're kind of like forced into, into like a room where you have to do something now. Otherwise as creative people, you kind of feel, um, uh, very like okay i have to do something otherwise i'm going to go insane and i'm kind of really interested uh do you usually find yourself like thriving in situations like that or how's your typical like writing setup is it, are you just by yourself or do you like to be more around with people
1: i usually write by myself so my writing process is if i figured out the outline for a story then I can write pretty quickly. Like you were saying, deadlines give you a good reason to to work on stuff. So I think for the initial part of the year and, and most of these grants are you know uh, front heavy for, for every year so the first you know three or four months you get as much done as the the next nine months of the year and that is probably what's happened with me was at the start of the year I was very productive because there were a lot of these deadlines and I'm like you know I need to finish something for it uh, and that way at least you know as artists we do love deadlines or yeah, at least we manage to get, get stuff out for them like they say you know the project is never completed it is abandoned mm-hmm. uh, so you find a reason to at least get it mm-hmm. across the finish line and then on the last day when you finish writing you're like no this this was terrible then you leave it for a week or two and then come back to it and then you're like no it, it wasn't that bad you know <laughs> I, I, I know what I'm doing at least a little bit you know I'm, I'm not full of uh, crap completely that's right. Um, but of course, you you go through long bouts of self doubt, and uh, times like these, especially times of a pandemic, can really bring you down. Where you start to play out all the opportunities that you could have worked on, or the things that did not work out, and you know, uh, it's it's that mindset where you uh, even where when you know. Five people are telling you your art is good and you need to make more. The other two who, you know, did not like it as much or, or said, you know, you need to improve. You keep focusing on those things and really getting them into your head. Um, and it's it's a matter of, you know, uh, that, that growth mindset where you need to get yourself out of it. And, and again, these things are easier said than, than done. Uh, but all of that, are a long way to say that once I have a, a goal, it becomes easier to write towards it. Uh, Now, what has helped is uh, the second feature that I've been writing. So uh, the first one I wrote this year was Namaste Santa. Uh, Mm -hmm. There was a a Christmas uh, feature film that that I'm developing. The second one, I'm working with a co-writer and it's my first time working officially, you know, where uh, both of us are actually writing the script. Mm -hmm. And that uh, has been a a great experiment of sorts. And I'd like to do that more because I feel that when you start You know, uh, slowing down, it's always nice to have someone... Even give you that call and say, hey, buddy, how are things? Or uh, when you are stuck, you can call someone up and say, hey, dude, I've been stuck. Let's have a couple of conversations just about this project. I don't promise you mm-hmm. pages for the next week, but let's chat about it. And then when you get someone else telling your story to you, sometimes it it brings back the love for that story that you had started to lose with because you've lived with it for so long. Um, so just because you have to go through so many drafts and the story so much that is an experiment that i would you know everyone who's written just by themselves i would recommend everyone at least try writing one project with a, a partner and see how it goes
0: yeah i think that uh co-writing is definitely quite interesting even i mean i've kind of pushed into the fact where like i'll have whoever that i'm working gonna work on like whether it's the actor or producer or whatever it is i try to bring them on pretty early at least to have like a bounce board just when you're just talking to someone have someone to be able to like i find that like when i explain the project even on my early stages i'll be like writing the story i'll explain the project and then halfway when i'm explaining the project i come up with like six new ideas that just work yeah. <laughs> and it, it's it's always like part of the process that i think is really interesting so yeah i, I definitely agree i definitely agree with that i do want to kind of shift gears a little bit push okay. a little bit back uh especially to the people that don't know you as much um I I mean, we didn't, we talked privately briefly about this, but I kind of am interested as well. Like kind of where did you first come into filmmaking for you?
1: Uh, so I was a film fan like everyone else. I grew up in the 90s in India and uh, around Mumbai. And India has a very strong film culture. So yeah. th- that and you know uh, there's a film playing on tv at, at any point that that you started it uh, even on the national channel we used to have a film play every week and that mm-hmm. is where your initial love for the film comes in or the, the, your love for the narrative comes in i was a scrawny kid so you know i did not really fit on the playground too much i'd get bullied from time to time but also you know i was never athletically gifted and mm-hmm. that is another like common thread that i'd see among filmmaker friends is there was a reason they were all stuck at home in the evenings when everyone else was playing mm-hmm. and they got to watch tv a lot and then fall fell in love with the, the stories so that is where uh, my love for filmmaking started uh one uh like of of the funny things from from my childhood was my parents were strict uh, like like all the south asian parents and they you know uh, send me to sleep at 8.39 p.m. because there used to be a, a school night and I wouldn't fall asleep so the my bed was right beside a window and I'd open the window and I could see into the living room of the next person's house and that tv was directly visible so until like 11 11.30 p.m. I'd be watching whatever movie they were watching without dialogue but <laughs> it's, it's just that, you know, the love for the media comes from strange places. And, and today I, I feel sometimes that I uh, owe my filmmaking thing to to that person who was watching a new movie every day. And I, at least I got to see the visuals. Uh, then I uh, went to uh, university for computer science here. I went to York. So I got my bachelor's and master's because uh, as, uh, you know, again, South Asian kids, the only options we have are of becoming, you know, lawyers or doctors or engineers, and uh, fortunately, I was good at math, so I I enjoyed it. But once that was over, I went started taking film classes in the evening. So I started on my tech career, and would take film classes at George Brown. And that's how. I started learning about film history and then, you know, got into cinematography, editing. A, a lot of the basics for those things came from uh, film classes. And then I took my first writing class and really enjoyed it. And then I pretty much kept taking writing classes. Uh, the next step, again, we we can speak about, you know, the, the pitching journey. But this is generally where I, I came into filmmaking from.
0: Mm-hmm. What I'm interested in is... Uh... Like what made you go like, okay, you know what? I'm going to take classes, right? Because I think that especially in today's age, a lot of people are just like self-teaching themselves, myself included. Right. So I'm really fascinated by like, you're like, okay, you know what? Um, I'm going to spend this money and take these classes because of, uh, because I'd rather someone else teach me or whatever your reason is. I'd like to hear more about that a little bit.
1: Yeah. So, Also, to provide some context, the time I'm talking about is 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I've also had a 10-year career in in tech before this. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this was around 2011 when I had just gotten a, a job. And then, uh, once you have that, you're like, okay, I've got my evenings free and I want to do something about it. So at that time, uh, no film school was quite new, but apart from that, there weren't so many, mm-hmm. even blogs that were talking about mm-hmm. the stuff that, that is available at, at your fingertips today. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought also, uh film class gives you focus gives you a community of people because if you don't go to film school as an 18 year old you know and if you like aren't coming out of Ryerson or York and and their film programs then you always feel like there's something lacking and that is the film community that is around you so I felt okay at least, if I go to these places, I'll meet other people in the same boat, you know, who've always wanted to do something in film and are coming to evening classes to, you know, to to learn about about the craft. Mm-hmm. I felt also it gave me focus on on things so it gave me a tangible goal saying in the next four months I'm going to learn about film history or in the next four months I'll learn about cameras and Mm -hmm. I didn't feel initially I was driven enough and even if I was driven I didn't know where to go about it or where to take this passion so that is one place where it it helped and I think the final thing was uh, going to school, I think, provides some legitimacy to uh, Desi parents. So if I could go to my, my, my parents and say, you know, I've taken a course in this thing. They're like, okay, now, now you know something about it. We'll let you do do work with it. Otherwise, it, it always remains a, a hobby. So I think the fact that I've taken these classes does, you know, add some legitimacy.
0: That is so funny because the next big part I really wanted to talk about was like, yeah, it was the the cultural struggles because I think that, um I mean I, I I know about it really well, right but especially for people listening right it's it's that that's starting uh that starting point because like I mean honestly, like a lot of our parents, right for like people, that were born here or people that are immigrants that moved here. Right. Um, they sacrificed a lot so that we can have a better career in a sense. Right. Yeah. And, but then a lot of us artists are kind of like in, um, in their mind are very much taking this completely different path. Right. So I get a lot of that struggle, but I think that um, what's interesting is how, like, is hearing everyone's story on trying to like overcome uh, that mindset, and to their parents, like trying to convince them in a sense. So how did you kind of like navigate that, uh, that path?
1: So for me, it was a sustained thing where, uh, over years I kept showing, you know, commitment for it so earlier I was taking classes then when I was doing my cinematography thing I told my parents okay I have a class project for which my cameraman friends are going to come in so then they started seeing that this person uh, the you know who who works professionally as a cam- cameraman is coming and helping out our child to to learn this thing mm-hmm. so then it, it turned into okay I'm going to work on some sets for weekends and until then also it was in their mind it was just a hobby so they Like, okay, he wants to, you know, at least he's not going out to bars and getting drunk or whatever. He's going and Mm -hmm. spending time with friends and learning something, you know. So that was, uh, the, the next step. I think this was around 2012, 13, 14. I used to go on weekends and help people out on their sets. And I would like reach out to everyone I knew who was making, you know, film and TV and saying, you know, I'll, I'll do anything. I'll hold a boom pole. If you want me to stand in a crowd, I'll come do that, but help, you know, I, I want to be on, on set so that this thing seems more legitimate. Uh, After that, uh, like, so it was also a a series of projects of increasing size. The next thing was, you know, a couple of bad short films that I showed to them. And because they're my parents and they love me, they're like, oh, you've got something, you know, you're telling stories nicely. Then the story started getting better. So I would go sit next to my mom and be like, you know, I've written a a new story. Would you like to hear? And over the years, you know, she started telling me your stories are getting better. They're they're not, you know, as boring anymore. Or they're starting to seem like stories that I would read in in books. So you're, you know, this thing is is getting better for you. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I had a you know, well-lauded and uh, like a short film that had traveled the world. But even until like last year, my, when we'd have friends over, my parents would tell them, yeah, he's he's got a filmmaking hobby. So, you know, <laughs> and, and then I'd be like, no, I, I make films, I'm a filmmaker. But I, I do hear you when you say that as people who've, who are coming from that culture and, and very understandably so because they have sacrificed so much for a good life. And, uh, the artist life for the initial years is, you know, does not intersect with a good life that, that much, especially in their minds. So uh, I do completely see where they're coming from, where they want you to have at least some sort of sustainable fallback. Um, but, I think with time, if you show, you know, a sustained effort and and a commitment to the the craft, uh, folks usually come around.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think I think that's part of it. Right. It's um, it's what you said before. It's this like thing of like um, over time, your your hobby becomes a sort of career. Right. But that doesn't come right away. That comes with like, oh, I'm going to be sitting on this and doing this for like um ha, like three days out of my seven day week for the next five years right. and then after five years like oh okay maybe this isn't a hobby anymore right or uh and i remember uh because we had this conversation before and I really find this funny it's like maybe once you get into like an oscar qualifying festival they'll be like hey <laughs> hey maybe this isn't a hobby anymore
1: <laughs> yeah and, and even that didn't change it you know uh, like when uh, uh, the the last one forbidden to a salad premiered at an also qualifying festival and even after that like yeah he has a a filmmaking hobby he goes meets a lot of people there but then you know over time when when you you do show show that commitment uh, eventually they come around and they're like no yeah he's he's a creative person he works differently and uh, it's it's not a a life it's a life that even as artists we are figuring out right so Mm -hmm. That's also a a problem that because in South Asian families, we didn't grow up with a culture of artists around us, you know, that we have these three family friends who are all living as, as artists. There's nobody they know who's made a living this way. So it's hard for them to fathom that that it's possible, uh, mm-hmm. which is why I think uh, other friends of mine also who are in the same dilemma, I tell them to be kind to their families and be understanding of, of where they're coming from, because that, that is how you can, uh, you know, get into a, a, a compromise with them or, or an understanding with them on what your future life will be like.
0: Yeah. Because like f- like having a good support system is probably one of the more important things for for a career as an artist and especially as a filmmaker yeah because uh especially if you're if you're able to because I I know filmmakers that are like that are living by themselves and have to pay rent and all this other stuff and it like really hinders a lot of what you can do especially if you're just, living by yourself and uh, like living with your parents and not have to pay a rent and then a lot of your money can go into like shorts or festival runs or all this other stuff that uh, that is really helpful for what you're trying to do.
1: Very much. And I totally agree with you. You know, like they say, it takes a village to raise a filmmaker as well. You need a strong support system from your family, your friends, your loved ones, not just for, you know, whenever that individual, uh, eventual fundraising Indiegogo campaign will come out, but even o- otherwise, there is mm-hmm. so much rejection in this thing, you know, um, it it is 90% rejections even more you know 90% is is a, a very good rejection rate like if if you are succeeding 10% of the the times uh sometimes most of the times it's it's worse than that and so if you have people around you that see your potential you know tell you every day that you've got something and you need to keep going because this stuff takes takes a long time and it takes a, a huge emotional toll on you
0: mm-hmm I think um, what, what I'm also really fascinated about is then pushing then into the next step of that is, uh, well okay, once you started, you know, you made Forbidden Thika Masala and then you started writing a lot, right? Because I think that uh, especially for f- directors that are also writers, you do a lot of writing, right? At least right. from my experience, right? So how did you find like your stories and like the specific stories you were telling? Because... I, I think that your past is interesting, right? Because you kind of like fell in love with filmmaking uh, in, in India and in a lot of like that that Eastern culture, right? Uh, but oh. then all of a sudden now you're here and now you're making you're trying to make films here, right? So how do you find your place as like an Asian filmmaker in like Western society, sort of sense? Because very much like the cultural uh, differences are really big right Uh, especially in a place like canada where it's like where everyone uh tries to like really hold on to their cultural values and they do that everywhere else but like very much the soul of canada is like multicultural right? right it's right so what i'm fascinated about is like when you're when you're making your initial stories do you do you think about any of that stuff or are you very much like okay i'm just gonna write whatever that comes to my mind
1: I think it's a mix of both. So a lot of stories, of course, when they say write what you know, and Mm -hmm. that thing is, you know, maligned a a lot where uh, people are like, oh, you know, I'm just an IT engineer. So should I only write about IT engineer stories? No. Uh, But writing what you know also goes into, you know, looking into the, the recesses of your past or looking at your insecurities, looking at what problems are specifically yours, right? So like forbidden tikka masala is about and uh, a vegetarian woman, in you know, Indian woman from Brampton, who accidentally eats chicken. Now, this food taboo issue is something that I've grown up with. Uh, so, in my family, with you know, including myself, we've never eaten meat. Uh, but. Uh, initially initially when we came here uh, now, now things have gotten better but initially we'd find it impossible to find food at places so we'd go on trips as a family but we had to pack food for days uh, so that is one of uh, uh, that is an experience that is specific to me and i would know how what it feels like or this specific incident of you know someone who's vegetarian eating chicken that happened to a friend of mine as a child you know when we were in grade one or in, in India, mm-hmm. a friend of mine was sharing lunches and accidentally ate chicken. And then when he went home and innocently told his family, that's when, you know, when he got a, a royal spanking, he found out that uh, such a thing as, as food taboos exists. You know, this mm-hmm. person had to be washed with, with uh, holy water from the Ganges, mm-hmm. And it's, it's a, a funny incident, but it always stayed in my mind. So this mm-hmm. was the only story I knew to tell. So when I saw, say, things like Bendit Like Beckham, which were about racial, there were, you know, elements of racial bullying or, you know, not mm-hmm. being allowed to do what, what you want to uh, by your family or being restricted. Those were not my stories. But, uh, you know, I, I had to think about what is my story. And this one was. Uh, this is the same thing that uh, how I've dealt with loss or how I've dealt with rejection or, you know, sorrows in my, any sorrows in my life mm-hmm. is with a sense of humor. So uh, that inevitably seeps into my stories. So I was saying that... there, there was, you know, sort of the, the thing I, I grew up on. Now, after the film was made, then I started to realize more context about it. So when I started to show the film to at film festivals and I'd see, you know, older Indian aunties coming and saying, I've never seen a character like myself. You mm-hmm. know, I've been in this country for 20 years. I've been coming mm-hmm. to film festivals, but this is the first time I've seen something like this. That's when I realized mm-hmm. the cultural importance of of making this thing or uh, my next story namaste santa which is a christmas story that comes from the fact that i was living in mumbai but you know dreaming of new york because i was watching home alone and you know the the north american world looks so beautiful on christmas And when I came here, it was a complete opposite where for immigrants, you know, uh, Christmas used to be a difficult time because uh, around Christmas, things get really expensive and immigrants don't have money. They have to work multiple jobs because uh, utility bills go up during, uh, you know, in the winters. Mm -hmm. So uh, just seeing that dichotomy, that is something that is specific to, you know, my experience or or your experience that a Mm -hmm. a lot of Western filmmakers would not identify with. Mm -hmm. So uh you if you are true to yourself and think about you know what experiences are uniquely yours uh or or even if you if you take a, a normal situation uh and i have seen you know uh, one of your scripts which was about you know the someone who wants to be a writer or someone who wants to be a, a filmmaker mm-hmm. but has strict a strict family. Now, this thing can be done in a a variety of ways and an Iranian filmmaker would show it completely different to, say, you know, a a European Mm -hmm. filmmaker with with completely a different set of restrictions. Mm -hmm. But I think we also sort of fall uh, guilty to the trap of originality where we are too hard on ourselves and say, you know, this because this premise is not original, we can't work with it. Many times, even if the premise is not original, the... uh, a taste or you know, the tone that you will bring to it will be original because it, it is uh, close to your life.
0: Mm-hmm. I think an interesting place to then take this conversation a, a step like further is um, when now when you're making your stories, right? Are you aware of your audience at all? Uh, especially, okay, I'm, I'm going to extend this question. Mm-hmm. So before Forbidden Tikka Masala and then after Forbidden Tikka Masala, because... I think after you then take your film into festivals and then all of a sudden now you make these like connections and then you meet these people that are like potential audiences uh, that you might get a better idea of like who's watching your film. Right. But looking at it before and after, right. Like, did you ever be like, okay, well, this is what my audience will be. Uh, I have to kind of write to them and, Will they understand? Will they not understand what kind of stories I'm writing? Do I have to change what I'm writing according to that? Or did you just be like, okay, well, I'm going to write it and people like me or people like that have experienced similar things are just going to end up watching it?
1: A bit of both. So uh, like every filmmaker, when I was making Forbidden Thicka Masala, because I'd only made student shorts before that. Mm -hmm. So like every filmmaker, I was naive enough to think that uh, when people would say, uh, which festivals do you think this could go to? I would say every festival. It's a good story. It will go everywhere, you know. <laughs> so a good story should go to South by Southwest, Sundance, Tiff, Cannes. Everyone will lap it up. And after some time on the circuit, you realize, no, every You know, festival has an audience that they cater to. Every town has a specific audience, you know. So the audience in Cleveland wants something different to the audience in Nashville. And you can't begrudge the festival if they don't take your film because their audience expects something else. So... I've realized that from the uh, festival success that there's a, a certain section of South Asian audiences or, or you know, even the larger Asian audience that expects a certain kind of story or at least I know they're excited by a certain kind of story. So if I can write something to that tone, I know that at least I'd have their support. But... I also don't want to let that stop me. So once I write, you know, a cross-cultural comedy, I try to do something else for a bit. So I've tried to write a thriller recently, or I'm trying to do a road trip film, Uh, I, I keep telling my friends, you know, that I do so many cross-cultural things that even if I apply with something else, uh, another film festivals will just think, you know, uh, or will reject it outright because they're like, oh, where are the laughs in this? Or, you know, where's the, the cross-cultural mm-hmm. angle? But again, I, I think, you know, uh, myself or, or you, we're too early in our, our film careers to sort of you know box ourselves like like that i see it less as a hindrance and uh, more as encouragement at least that you know uh, there is an audience for at least one kind of story that that i know of now i need to explore more and and see what happens with that
0: do you find that after you did your festival circuit it was easier to know your audience after or was it just the same or harder to like be like okay this is kind of like what they like if i do something even if i do tell my own story if i do um something similar like this uh then i know it's going to play well or do you feel like that do you not even worry about that or do you feel like that's a hindrance in a sense
1: i feel attending festivals has Um, a lot of merit and I recommend it to every filmmaker that I know uh, because meeting audiences or sitting in a a theater uh, with an audience gives you a completely new perspective on your film like you watch your film in a completely new light Uh, there were places that I thought were hilarious when I wrote it and nobody laughed at them and there were places that were like throwaway jokes or sometimes (laughs) these were just facts you know and everyone was (laughs) laughing and then me and my family would be like why are they laughing this is our everyday reality. You know? mm-hmm. uh, so you start to understand your own art a lot more when you watch it with an audience. When you speak to an audience after a, um, a screening and then they tell you what worked for them, why they enjoyed it. That makes you appreciate your own talents, but also the taste of the audience a a lot more. The other thing that isn't done as much, and I recommend, you know, uh, uh, film people do that is reach out to programmers and just have chats with them. Uh, some programmers of big festivals might be busy but uh, you know the niche festivals they are always encouraging to filmmakers they have a a real passion for bringing up voices and when you speak to them you start to you know hear patterns so sometimes I, I just speak to a programmer and say what kind of film are you seeing a lot and If they're saying, you know, among South Asian people, I'm seeing a lot of, you know, uh, father-son fights where the child wants to do something and the father isn't allowing them to do it. Then if I'm trying to come up with a story, I need to, you know, think of that, of of the fact that there'll be 50 other stories that are handling the same angle. And is that the angle that I'm bringing? so unique that it is going to stand out or can I come up with another story that could ge- give uh, these audiences a taste of something they would never thought of before so uh, I, I don't want to make it sound too calculative uh, you should always write that you know things that you enjoy but if you can give it s- some thought in this sense uh, uh, I think and, and speak to audiences and, and programmers it at least <laughs> stops you from doing things that are o- overdone and i don't think there's any problems with avoiding cliches as such
0: that's interesting that's actually really insightful for anyone listening because i think the next part i was going to ask is like for someone that's like trying to become a filmmaker or maybe they just shot their first short or maybe they're doing their first short right Uh it's like um as someone that is has now i mean i i consider your festival run to be a pretty successful festival run for a short right like right. you played in a bunch of places and a lot of people are trying to get to that place right so what are some advices in a, and I know that that what you just said is one of them but if you have any others on like someone that's just trying to get their shorts to be played on like
1: festivals everywhere um, I'd say go to festivals um, even if you can go to one short film block go to Go to all the local festivals that you can, and speak to people there. Go uh, to the film parties, or, uh, and and speak to the programmers. Tell them, hey, I'm a filmmaker, and this is what I'm making, or this is what I want to make. And Most people are pretty nice. I tell uh, a lot of filmmakers reach out and they're like, you know, how do I get my short film made or how, how do I get my film made? And and that's what I tell them, you know, that if you say please and thank you to enough people, and if you're nice to people, <laughs> your film will get, get made uh, in terms of festivals. I I mean there is merits uh, to uh, being hopeful and and you should yeah you know, I've gotten into festivals where I never expected to get in but mm-hmm. it, uh, the last festival run also taught me to be more strategic with the the story that I'm telling so if you look at the past few you know iterations of of any festival And see what kind of films they've shown. Are they a social justice festival and are you trying to send them a comedy? Of course they you know they might enjoy screening it for themselves but they can't show it to an audience because it can't fit in their blocks. So short films are uh, shown in you know blocks of uh, six films that come together as one 90-minute program or you know one two-hour program. Now this means that they have to fit in uh, shorts of different lengths because uh, you know if they if they show only 15 minute films each 15 minute film is a large journey it takes you on a large emotional journey and audiences may not be able to take you know seven or eight emotional journeys so they try to fit in maybe a 6 minute film then a 10 minute film 1 20 minute one um, so duration is important if you're f- and then these are just wisdoms that I've also received from you know filmmakers who are wiser than than me or you know more experienced than I am. But if your film is going over fifteen minutes, then it gets harder to program. This is what what uh, one of the main things I had learned because I I know people who make their short films to be forty minutes right mm-hmm. now. This might fit the official requirement for you to submit, but that would like showing a 40 minute film means that it would take up three, the space of three other films in that block. Now is is, is your 40 minute film three times better than any other film comes out that comes out. And if it's not, can you tell a small, a smaller story? So I think duration is one thing that you should think of. You should think of the track record of that festival uh, and see if they have shown films like yours. Um, reaching out to programmers that that I already uh, mentioned, I think just to, to get advice. And most people are, are happy to have that chat. Reaching out to other filmmakers who've made similar films and saying, hey, I've got a story that is similar to yours what was your experience on the festival circuit? Which ones would you recommend? Which ones would you not recommend? Um, I, that is a, a problem that I see with a lot of artists are, you know, we're so shy of sharing our art because we're so conscious of it that we don't share, you know, share it with filmmakers around us. So we don't tell people about it. I, th- I think the more you tell, you know, people more experienced than y- yourself, the more you can learn about how things go, uh, where would be a good place for it. Um, I think that those are those are the the top things that come to mind. It's always nice to have a, a good web presence. So once you get your film selected in a festival, it's always nice to have a good web presence. Uh, so your uh, you know IMDb, but also your your Instagram, your film's website. So people know where to reach you if they've liked your film. Uh, this is how a couple of films actually uh, a, a couple of festivals found us. So they would reach out on the Facebook page and say, "Hey, we've heard great things." about your film from other programmers uh-huh. uh, would you like to show it, it to us and see if we'd like it for the next festival so that that's another thing programmers talk to each other you never know when the next opportunity would come from so try to speak to as many people you know speak to audiences speak to to programmers and, and put yourself out there you <laughs> then that you you want to be an artist you have to put yourself out there
0: yeah it's uh that's that's actually quite helpful, I think, for anyone trying to listen, right? Because I think that um, a big thing that I kind of wanted to talk about was exactly that, right? Is someone that just now played in all these festivals, like, um, how are you then approaching your your next film for festivals, right? Like, uh, Like, how an, an interesting place to take this conversation actually is like how early should uh, people start thinking about festivals, right? Like how early do you think about festivals? Do you are like, as someone that's like uh, applying for grants and for stuff like that, for some of your shorts or whatever it is, um, or whatever you're trying to make is, are you thinking about it right at the writing point? Or are you thinking about it where you're like, okay, I got this writing. I finished the script. I like where it is. I'm, I got the money for,
1: to produce it. Okay. Where are we going to take this? I think you shouldn't let it uh, um, come into your mind during the writing stage, apart from, you know, the consulting people and making sure that you're not you know, uh, making something that's been done before. Uh, because initially this was my mindset where when my film would get rejected from a festival, I'd get grumpy and say, you know, they didn't deserve me anyway. They don't know what they're talking about, which is the, the first reaction <laughs> of every filmmaker. Yeah. Um, but and uh over time i've i've gotten to meet many programmers and i've realized there's a lot of merit to to what they do and you know uh so if i even if i watch one short film every day of a year i'm watching 365 films right That is the number of films they watch for, each programmer watches for one block. So when my knowledge of a genre comes from watching, you know, the the two or three that I know of, they've already watched 500 from across the world. And they've seen so much of what's been done that they could tell you what is new about it. So, uh, of course, don't uh, let it, you know, don't let the uh, idea of of a future festival run get in the middle of your of your writing. But during the ideation phase, think about you know whatever you're doing and whether it, it is unique enough or whether it can add something to the the voices that that are out there, add to the conversation that is out there. Um, Apart from that, uh, no, I, I think while raising money, it helps. So once you've done um, a festival run during the next cycle of grants, it helps to show how successful your film was. And uh, every grant agency wants to see that other people are liking it. You know, people other than yourself think that you're talented. Um, so that helps in, in that sense. Uh, and apart from that, I i like to stay in touch with people even in, in general because you don't know when some festival would have a new grant for you know new voices or or you know fresh filmmakers so if you're in the radar uh, uh, for for people uh, and you know if you're top of mind you would be the first person they'd reach out and say hey you know our, our festival is doing this new program i think you should apply uh and uh i'm i myself I, at the starting stages of of this but a, a lot of my opportunities have come this way where someone who thought i was talented or i made good art told someone else and that you know turned into an, an opportunity
0: yeah i think that like honestly this is like everything that you've been saying up to now i think has been absolutely uh a breath of fresh air, I think, and a really insightful for just about everyone. Um, I think that this is a really good place to kind of put a put a bookmark on this conversation. I think that um, anyone that like that's listening, I think that like th- like they can find you where right now on Instagram or Facebook or what's what's your preferred plat- platform?
1: So uh, you can. I'm I'm happy to talk to people on even on Facebook. Uh I have a, a lot of uh, filmmaker friends there. Mm-hmm. Uh my film company Raincatcher Media we're uh, always looking at at Instagram for that. My personal mm-hmm. handles for Instagram and Twitter are the real rahul so t h e r
0: I'll put it yeah. in the okay. I'll put it in the description.
1: So uh, Instagram and Twitter Again, I'm, I'm happy to chat with people. I, I read a, a lot of uh, scripts for other filmmakers. Mm-hmm. At this point, there's so few of, of us, you know, South Asian mm-hmm. filmmakers, that it is always exciting when new people you know, the filmmakers come up and, and uh, it's always great to see the tribe grow because that yeah. is how we're going to build an audience for this thing. So, you yeah. know, like I know yourself as well, you know, you uh, do a lot to bring up new filmmakers or, you know, help them out in their initial productions. And, and you've been doing this for a while. So like I, I can speak for both of us, I think that we want to see more uh, South Asian or, or even Asian filmmakers because that is how we'll grow our audience. That is how we'll, you know, build a, a scene around us.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think that was part of the one of my hopes of this whole conversation was to try to like talk to some of the people that are like um, starting out as artists or even ones that want to be artists that are like struggling with like a lot of the the cultural restrictions and all these other things. And just to be like, how did you guys do it? Right. Because I think that's a really interesting conversation. Whenever you meet a brown filmmaker, you're like. Uh, how did you do it? And nine times out of ten, like whether it's an artist, they're like, yeah, I was a, uh, I was, I was an engineer, and then I dropped <laughs> out, or I finished my engineering and then I left, uh, or I finished my, I, I was studying to be a doctor and then I left, and it's, it's, it's nine times out of ten the whole story, but I like the same story, but it, it is uh, quite interesting. Yeah, uh, I'll leave all his, uh, all uh, your links in the description so you can, you can follow Rahul. Uh, what are you working on? Because um, I think that uh, part of the reason why I really wanted to do this now is exciting because Rahul's actually, his forbidden tikka masala that we've been keep talking about, we, we kept referencing, is actually being released uh, on YouTube. Uh, what was the channel name again? Uh, omeletto oh yeah no that's a that's a pretty big thing man like that's a pretty big uh step I think that like that can be huge for you and if if anyone wants to watch it um uh we'll be releasing this episode either on Monday or Tuesday and I'll try to release it on Tuesday actually and I'll put the put put the link for the for the for the film in the description as well check it out it's actually really good um uh yeah uh I've been we've I've been following Raul for a bit and uh it's been exciting it's been exciting dude
1: Yeah, it's been fun. So, uh, like you said, the next big thing that's coming out is Forbidden Tikka Masala comes out to the world. It's having its digital release on Omelette, which is a a platform for award-winning short films. Uh, Mm -hmm. Ours is one of the handful of South Asian films on that platform. So we're pretty proud Um, and we're hoping for the audience's support for it. Uh, So it comes out uh, on the 11th, 11th of of August. Uh, Mm -hmm on Omletto's YouTube channel. You can uh, find it there by the name Forbidden Tikka Masala. The next thing I'm doing is um, Namaste Santa, which is a a Christmas story, the one I was telling you about. Mm -hmm. And I'm developing Forbidden Tikka Masala as a feature and that's been, you know, one of the uh, best stories that I've ever written. I'm, I'm really proud of the script that's come together. And it's it's a really joyful script, uh, something that I've never seen, uh, you know, on, on the screen before. Uh, just like the the short film, it is my love letter to Asian mothers and, and how much they, they do for our <laughs> ungrateful kids and their families. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the uh, uh, they see mom finding inspiration to uh, follow their own passions late in
0: life yeah yeah no uh, I, I think it's it was one of those films that i think that uh no matter how many how many times you watch it you still like you find a lot of humor in a lot of and, and a lot of charm in 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 that film and it's definitely worth a watch um yeah i'll uh you don't have to do a lot of those searching i'll I'll just leave the link uh in the description uh so you can just click on that and just kind of go from there uh, well, it's been an absolute pleasure dude, talking to you Thanks so
1: much for having me, Kizu.
0: No, no, no. It's been uh, it's been great. And hopefully in a few years, when you when, when you do that feature, we'll, uh, we can chat again.
1: Fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed. Knock on wood. Take care. You too. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode of the How Do I Get There podcast. I just had a blast talking to Rahul. Uh, honestly, half of our conversations are just like that, which is kind of what I want this... Sh- podcast to be like it's just my conversations that I have with other artists and things that I would love to know about them and uh so that's kind of what this has been like I think uh, I'm striving to try to get even more and more organic and I think we're slowly slowly getting there so if you guys uh want to watch you know if you guys haven't seen Forbidden the i yet go check it out please um go follow Rahul he's doing some excellent stuff and he deserves all the all the following that he can get and if you guys want to know um or follow me or know anything that I've been kind of up to we're releasing for your benefits soon Um, the trailer should be out soon as well so once that is out we'll um, we'll do I'll I'll mention it in the podcast if you guys are just following this you I'll definitely post it in all my social media so go check that out Uh, we're going to be doing a for your benefits special episode with me uh, the DP and the actor and we're going to be kind of trying to go over it and talking about everything that we kind of went through and all of hurdles that we kind of uh, went over so stay tuned for that Um, you know I don't really ask for this too often but if you guys did enjoy the show please uh, go to uh, either Apple podcasts or wherever that you're kind of watching it and uh, share it or review it on Apple podcasts which does help it a lot Um, I don't really know how the other platforms do it but if your platform system has a system like that please uh, like review and do all of the fun stuff share it around you know to all your filmmaking friends and people that like stuff like that you never know um it could help them a lot hopefully maybe all right take care guys